0: Welcome back to Cargumentative your favourite pod on which we discuss all things cars and motoring. I'm your host Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times and this week in the virtual studio I'm joined by Dennis Dropper from BD Motor News. Dennis how are you?
1: I'm great thanks Tom it's uh, nice to enjoy this warm weather that's Beset uh, tang, and uh, we're trying to get out as much as possible on our cars and motorcycles. We are indeed, we are
0: indeed. It's, uh, it's a glorious day here, not a cloud in the sky. I've got uh, some men who are busy painting doors and windows. The home renovations are ongoing. Yeah, so hopefully the rain stays away for that. Um, Let's chat news. I know you've been busy. You went back down to Cape Town towards the end of last week. You were on your way the last time we spoke. And uh, Dennis, you got to drive uh, the new R18 series of motorbikes. How were they?
1: Yes, indeed. Um, This is BMW's uh, alternative to Harley-Davidson. So this is a big, brash and heavy German cruiser. With the biggest motorcycle engine that BMW's ever made it's a one point eight liter thumper and not only that but it's a it's a boxer engine so it's got those two massive cylinder heads sticking out the side which I'm pretty sure makes it just about the widest motorcycle that you can get so you, you don't want to be riding it through narrow alleys but uh anyway I mean it's a uh... Priced at 320,000 Rand for a basic one, but more realistically, you're going to be paying just over 360,000 Rand with, with all the various add-ons and the chrome and you know, et cetera. But what I found that this is a very different bike to the usual slick German efficiency you get from uh, BMW's other two wheelers. So this bike's all about charisma. So it's, it's kind of rough and, and, uh, and it vibrates a lot. And, and I'm pretty sure all this is by design because cruiser riders are looking for that kind of charisma. So even when you start it up, you have to make sure that your feet are firmly planted on the ground because there's so much lateral torque caused by the, the engine. It threatens to throw you off the bike if your feet aren't firmly planted. And that vibe just continues as you, as you ride it. And if you rev it at anything over 4,000 RPM, it feels like you're sitting on a jackhammer. The vibration is so bad. So you just draw back and make sure you you cruise along at about three thousand RPM and then things are hunky dory. You can you can lay back and you can just uh, check out the scenery and, and smell the fan boss. Sounds pretty hectic. I
0: mean, um sure. That's that's a lot of vibration. Um I mean I haven't driven anything like a cruiser before. I've driven a, a, a um a Royal Enfield. Um, would you say it's kind of similar to that in terms of vibrations or
1: or not quite as bad. No, no, it, it, it vibrates more than that. But like I say, it's only once you get into the higher revs. And, and this bike has got so much torque. At, uh, its maximum torque is at 3,000 RPM. So you really don't have to rev it higher than that. Mm. And, and as for the perceived crudeness, I suppose one, one man's crudeness is another man's charisma. And, and I'm pretty sure that this, the feel of the bike is, is not by accident, it's by desire. So personally, I, I prefer to ride something a bit uh, smoother and, and slicker. But uh, cruiser, cruiser riders are a different breed.
0: They certainly are. And I mean, it would appear that, that to them, it's kind of, you know, looks that matter more. And I think that R18 does look pretty special. I know that you get quite
1: a few variations of the R18. Is that correct? But at the moment, the only one you can get in South Africa is the basic cruiser. So that's a okay. naked bike with with no fairing or anything, but soon to come is the is the R eighteen Classic, which is going to come with a windscreen and panniers. So it'll be a more touring orientated version. It'll also have cruise control. So it's definitely more of a long distance bike. But other than that, it'll be mechanically unchanged. Okay, and uh, where bikes did you guys ride them? You- well, we we rode in the Western Cape, in, which is beautiful and green and scenic. So So it was exactly the right kind of environment for it, definitely. And just one other thing I want to mention about this bike is that it's Mm. it's, it's very basic in terms of technology, but it does have three modes. One is rain, which uh, calms down the throttle a bit, and the other two modes are rock and roll. And uh, the the rock version quickens the throttle response and, and adds distinctly more voomer to the exercise.
0: That's very cool. So it seems that the Germans have got a sense of humor after all. They do. Yeah, yeah. Well, moving from Germany, you're going on to Korea, the new Hyundai Grand i10, uh, that's, that's making news. It was launched in SA towards the end of last week. I wasn't on the launch. Brenwin was on the launch. Uh, he unfortunately can't join us in studio today.
1: What do you think of it, Dennis? Um, I don't think you were at the launch either. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to drive it, Thomas. Mm. But uh, this is Hyundai's most popular seller in South Africa. So I'm pretty sure that it's been keenly awaited. And at a starting price of 192000 it's pretty good value, especially for something that's comprehensively spec'd. I mean, this is the market segment that started life with the very successful Hyundai Gets back in the day. And over 1.1% over million grand I-10s have been exported from India, and about 50,000 of those have been sold in South Africa. So it's very popular here. And, yeah, it's, it's got a nice, stylish, modern vibe, especially inside. I, I really like the, the interior look. Mm. And, uh, and it's, it's available in two models, uh, a one-liter, three-cylinder version and then a slightly larger 1.2 litre. I'm familiar with those engines, and the 1.2 in particular is, is quite is quite a reasonable reasonably punchy commuter. So I, I think that that might be the one that most people go for, even though the starting price is a bit higher. It's 231,000 rand. But... Um, You've you've also had a chance to have a look at the car. What do you think of it, Thomas?
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, I think I think they've done a good job with the styling. I think the old one was a bit bland. Uh, the new one's got a little bit of edge to it, uh, so I think it'll appeal to um, to younger buyers. What'll also appeal to them is is the fact that uh, all Grand I Tens come standard with a uh, six point two inch touchscreen infotainment system with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Uh, you also get Bluetooth and you get two USB ports, and these are these are features that people want to see in cars, um, especially younger buyers who are into tech. So it's really cool to see that Tundra, you know, kind of have these available as a standard feature. It's also a little bit bigger than than the outgoing uh, Grand i10, so you know, in terms of loading space and interior comfort, it should it should be better. Yeah, I mean, I see it doing well. It's priced right, as you said. And in this market where people are, you know, buying down and trying to save cash, buying a smaller card than they would normally, I think they'll have a good seller on their hands.
1: Yeah, it's also got a seven-year, 200,000K warranty, which is one of the best in the business. So that's Mm. also something to sweeten the deal. And of course, as you said, you've got to have the USB ports and the touchscreen, so it's got all those bases covered.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you've got the uh, peace of mind from the warranty, you've got the features, and you've got the proven drivetrain. So, yeah, um, should be a winner for Hyundai. What else has been happening?
1: Well, I came across an interesting survey by uh, Auto Trader. They, uh, they did a survey on their site visitors about what they think of electric vehicles. Now, the need to reduce air pollution has driven a massive growth in sales of vehicles with no exhaust emissions. Mm. And last year, there were over 2 million electric vehicles sold around the world. That's a rise of about 250% in just four years. But the adoption has been a lot slower in South Africa, where there are just over a thousand electric vehicles on our roads. And that's from a fleet of over 10 million cars. Mm. So now, Trader did this survey to, to try and find out what is the local population think of, of EVs and why we're not really buying them. Because in theory, an EV is about, is about seven times cheaper to run than a petrol or diesel-powered vehicle. Anyway, what came out of the survey was that there is demand for electric vehicles, but their high prices are the biggest hurdles. Why that? Unfortunately, our import duties on electric vehicles are very high here uh 25% compared to 18% for a petrol or diesel powered vehicle and yeah the cost of entry is is the major challenge i mean the 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 cheapest electric vehicle you could now buy in south africa is the mini cooper se which is 642000 rand that's really a good start though because previously the cheapest ev was the bmw i3 at uh, 720000 and let's not even talk about the Jaguar I Pace, which starts at 2.1 million. So it was just an interesting insight into what people think about EVs and uh, their, their resistance to them.
0: It does sound quite interesting, and uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the entry point is just uh, you know for most people it's just way too high, um, and I think we need a manufacturer to launch in South Africa, just a you know a smaller. Much cheaper electric vehicle. Um, Citroen's got the Citroen Amy overseas, which is I don't know if it's if it's been launched already or if it's about to be launched, but it's a it's like a small two-seater city car. Um, it doesn't have a great range. I mean, I think it only does about 70 or 80 Ks to a charge. But you know, for most people, um, getting from A to B in a city environment, that would be ideal. And, um, I think the last time I saw it online, it was, it was going for about, if you worked it out from euros to rands, it was probably about 120, 130,000 rand, you know? So, I mean, if we could get something into the country, you know, round about that price point and people can start getting into them, adopting them, experiencing them, you know, I think, I think the success will be much
1: greater. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? That's for sure. Because they're certainly great to drive. I mean the, yeah. the the one interesting aspect of the Auto Trader Survey was that eighty eighty seven percent of respondents stated that they'd never driven an EV and only one point eight percent had owned one. So I think if more people actually get behind the wheel of an electric vehicle and just discover the benefits, uh, the main one being the that instant lag-free pause-free acceleration, which is mm-hmm. really great. Uh, I I haven't seen anyone come out of an electric vehicle and not been impressed by the performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And also in terms of maintenance, you know, you're not having to deal with CAM belts. You're not gonna have you know have to deal with water pumps and oil leaks and you know, all those other things. Uh you know, um manual gearboxes and that's and right. Stewards. And so yeah. You're basically cutting out a whole bunch of things that have the potential to give you issues down the line and cost you money down the line. Uh, the only thing you really have to worry about is the coolant that keeps the battery cool and, and obviously your brake pads. And, and your tires. Yeah. And the and tires, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the only one gray area I, I'd say is the battery pack, you know. Um, obviously, batteries have a life. Uh, we're still trying to finesse battery technology as we go. Um, and that's obviously something to consider because like on a cell phone, um, the longer you keep it, the less effective and efficient the battery becomes, the less charge it can hold, um, and then it can get expensive to replace. But, uh, you know, I'm sure things will improve as we, as we go on. Battery technology is bound to just get better, and hopefully manufacturers can come up with a clever way of uh, ensuring that, uh, you know, battery replacement isn't isn't that expensive you know with a kind of a a trade-in program or uh, you know a guarantee or something like that 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 ensures that when things do start to go wrong um, it's it's not that expensive to set right
1: yeah i know that overseas there are uh, car companies that are leasing the batteries so that when they when they do eventually expire then you mm-hmm. simply them back and you lease a new a new set of batteries but obviously these things will also become cheaper you know, with the economies of scale. So the, mm. the bottom line is that the electric revolution is, is upon us and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen sooner rather than later, you know, even in South Africa. It is indeed. It is indeed. And uh, yeah, I think it's
0: quite exciting. So let's see what the future holds. We are out of time for news. Dennis, it was good chatting. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to be joined in the studio by special guest
2: join me nicole engelbrecht your host on true crime south africa a weekly podcast that covers both solved and unsolved south african true crime
0: cases Welcome back to Cargumentative. In this segment of the show, we're joined in the virtual studio by TV personality, radio presenter, mechanic to the stars, and one-time Ponty Tower resident, Segi Woodley. Segi, thanks so much for finding the time to join us here today.
2: Thomas, you know, all the stuff you just mentioned is a long time ago, hey? But hey, I'll take it anyway, I can get it.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, uh, before we go on, what was Ponty Tower really like?
2: I loved it there. It was awesome, hey? It was yeah. absolutely fantastic. And if ever you had the chance to make it up to the penthouse, wow. Yeah. That was an experience of note.
0: Oh, really? Hey? I, yeah. I heard, I heard you that, that you were like a regular up in the penthouse. Is that, is that true? Thomas, do
2: kids and family listen to this podcast?
0: I think only my mom does. I think you just
2: want to get me into trouble. <laughs> you, I think yeah. that's all you want to do. Eh? Yeah, I wasn't a
0: regular, but I did visit. Amazing, amazing! It must have been a great view, you know. Yeah, it that's was an awesome.
2: It's an awesome, it was an awesome view. It was an awesome view. It was fantastic. And you know that uh, the only problem was that uh, hole down the middle uh, had become like a uh, suicide pit.
0: I heard about that. Yeah, that was the unfortunate
2: bit. thing. Eh, that was the only unfortunate yeah. thing about Ponte. Yeah, it is too much of an easy the... access for people to jump off.
0: Yeah, scary. Not a nice way to go. Not a nice way to go at all. Listen, we could talk about Ponty and...
2: Uh, for days. Party
0: days. For days, actually. Weeks. Uh, but unfortunately, we can't. Now, for some of our listeners, they may, might not be that familiar with you. Can you tell them a little bit more about yourself and, and who the legend Segi Mudli actually is? Okay, well, you know, I, I only became legendary because of
2: my... Uh, you don't really call it my calling my co-host my uh, partner in crime partner in crime is more uh, apt uh, adam ford when we did the word on cars on radio 702 and uh, from there it's all been uh, i don't know what to say uphill or downhill i think it's all uphill, eh? and then we moved on to uh tv uh lindsey vine gave us our break there in tv and we did the uh, buyer's guide together which we're still doing of course and you're a pretty regular chap on Buyer's Guide. So uh, you have a uh, lot to answer for as well, hey? When it comes to exactly. the motor industry.
0: Yeah. Exactly, you know, I mean, I'm like a pseudo expert, I'd, I'd say. And uh, What? As well as crashing it, your Mustang? Uh, crashing many things, you know. <laughs> crashing many things. <laughs> but uh, we won't go down that road. Um, but, but before you were on, on, um, you know, on TV and on radio, uh, yeah, I ran my own workshop, in... Hey Thomas. Yeah, correct.
2: Yeah. I run my, I ran my own workshop, run my own place right now as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cars for me is, is just like an extension of a person's personality. Hey, eh? and mm-hmm. I, I love working on them. I love, uh, giving the owners a hard time when you see, you know, it's, uh, It's never the car, but it's always the owner that thrashes it. So, you know, um, people go around saying, ah, this is a bad model. You shouldn't be buying this model. You know, nine times out of ten, it isn't the car or the manufacturer at all. It's just the way the owner treats the the,
0: Yeah. So, I mean, how did you get into the whole um, mechanics game? Did you, I mean, is that something you did when you were young?
2: I, I found out a while ago that uh, women are very attracted to men with cars. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, try picking up a beautiful chick on a bicycle. Well, I mean, I just give it a that. shot sometimes, you know, it'll fail, you'll fail dismally. But, you know, in your 9-11, there you go. So I, I started uh, tinkering and fixing and uh, playing around with cars and trucks and buses because we, I kind of grew up on a farm in Inanda where all these tools and vehicles were available. And uh, thanks to my uncles, you know, we were allowed to tinker and play and and do whatever we wanted. I learned to drive at the age of 12. So, Hmm. you know, there you go, cars in my blood. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Sure, sure, it sure sounds like it. So look, I mean, um, you've got your own shop, you're pretty hands-on, and we're gonna be chatting about secondhand cars in a bit, but, I want to know, from your personal experience in the trade, um, uh-huh. are there any brands that you would never, ever buy um, or at least stay far, far away from?
2: You know, uh, Thomas, um, the Renault brand did has got a bit of a reputation. I should say the French brands in general have a bit of a rep that they are uh, expensive to maintain and difficult to drive. And, you know, it's just a problem brand especially the French brands I personally don't find that a problem what I found out is that the cheaper the car is when you purchase it initially the more expensive the parts are thereafter. after um, you know I, I, I can give you a, an example of a Chinese brand a GWM steed the steering rack is eight thousand Rand and no parts to repair on a GWM Steed. now it's a we recommend it quite regularly as a cheaper option in the double cab uh, market yet mm-hmm. if you think if you think about the parts thereafter uh, I mean you you're paying in the skin of your back eh?
0: That's crazy. So, do you think um, a lot of these manufacturers who come in with cars that are uh, cheaper than certain competitors kind of feel that they'll make their money back through replacement parts? Yes, do you think that's, uh, I, I believe. Expensive? I believe that you know, and also
2: believe that lo- lo- loads of them come out with built-in obsolescence. They they designed to fail at a certain time, and you'll notice that that time is just out of warranty.
0: Always. Like on an Audi electronic gearbox, like discussing on buying. Like we were discussing the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Well, look, um, I've been hogging the mic. I'm going to pass you over to my colleague Dennis Dropper, uh, who I'm sure has a couple of questions about secondhand cars, buying advice, how to cure a hangover. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I can help him with. (laughs) Dennis, over to you. We'll chat about the hangover just now, possibly. But uh, something we get asked uh, often is buying a used petrol or diesel car. Now, Segi, do you? I know your colleague Adam Ford often uh, was anti buying the second hand diesels. What is your mm-hmm. opinion on that?
2: You know, I never like to agree with Adam, never. <laughs> but unfortunately, if you're looking, uh, Dennis, it also is very dependent on whether the cars had all its services. Um, what's the mileage like because on diesels the older they get the more expensive it becomes to maintain Uh, let's take uh, fuel injectors for instance just fuel injectors on the newer cars you can pay up to ten grand per injector if they fail and diesel injectors often fail later late into their lives you know so do you want to have that kind of expense
1: What would an an injector cost, for instance, on a petrol car? You can pay a brand new injector on,
2: let's say, let's take a Golf GTI, a um, uh, say a Golf uh, 6. You could pay like two and a half grand for an injector, brand spanking new, on a petrol vehicle. And often, 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 they never fail. So it's a big price difference there. Huge price difference. And and the so-called fuel saving, Dennis, you never see. You never, ever see. You've got to own that diesel vehicle for like 20 years before you see any returns on the actual so-called difference in fuel.
1: Yeah. Now, why do you think these parts are so much more expensive? I mean, are they more robust?
2: The diesel injector is way more complicated because of the atomization of the spray and things like that. In Scottish, you know, the those diesel injectors, the pressures in them are phenomenal 15,000 kPa on some of them to atomize the diesel, you know. And uh, diesel engines, per se, um, like hard runners, the service intervals are quicker. And it, it's as much as they claim that a diesel, the modern diesel, is so much better, the new pet, the modern petrol vehicle. Is getting just as good uh, fuel consumption, Dennis? Right. With, with half as
1: much trouble. Yeah. Now, talking second-hand cars, is there like a magical mileage uh, where you would say, "All right, beyond this mileage, I, I wouldn't buy a second-hand car anymore"? Or uh,
2: no, Dennis, you it, can't. Does me- it
1: just depend does it just depend on how the car's been looked after?
2: Yeah, you can't make a generalization like that. Mileage has a lot to do with it. You're absolutely right. You know, like nobody wants to buy a car. Uh, let's say there's two, um, uh, what should we take? Say Kias. Let's say two Kia Picantos. One's got uh, 50,000 on the clock and one's got 150,000 on the clock. Sometimes the one with 150,000 kilometers on the clock might just be a higher miler, but the body and the mechanics might be in perfect nick. Yet the one with 50,000 Ks on the clock might be put together and welded together, two different pieces. You know, so you just got to look at the vehicle. Uh, The the thing that I advise most of the time when purchasing secondhand, Dennis, is to take someone or Fairwood cars. Even if you pay him 500 bucks for the hour or her, take the person who knows about the vehicle and go look at the car that you want to buy. It will be the best money you spend, really.
1: Sounds like good advice, because you, you might save a lot of money down the road then.
2: Yes, absolutely. And you know, um, someone said to me, ah, oh, but I bought this car with a 100-point check, and it came with a Roadworthy. You and I both know what happens at the Roadworthy centers. I'm sending 20, uh, 50 cars a month to you, to Roadworthy. You tell me you're not going to overlook a couple of cars if I say, hey, I need this have a roadworthy certificate. You know this is happening. We all know this is happening. You know roadworthy centers have been closed down because this is happening. And then the guy comes back to me and says, "You know, I've already purchased this car, but the it's it's swaying all over the road. You take a look; the ball joints are shot. Yet the car's got roadworthy." Yeah,
1: yeah that's scary.
2: That is very scary.
1: Now, Seiki, are are modern cars more reliable than older ones? But once again, is that too much of a generalization?
2: No, it's not a generalization. The older cars are very basic, uh, Dennis. There's not much to uh, repair. It's a basic points condenser, if you're talking real old spark plugs. Um, Not much to go wrong. These days, everything has got a computer controlling it, Dennis. You know that. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, so the old days you forced down your soft top or your cabriolet or whatever. You just pushed it down in the back and it went off. These days, you press a button, wait five minutes, the roof closes on itself, whatever happens, and then you drive off. When that thing, when it's raining and it doesn't want to close, you're spending 50 grand just to fix it. Right. You know, so it's, it's all a question of, do we want to go modern or do we prefer to the old school? and a lot of youngsters or people in general like the the ease of a new car you know you close the door you drive off all the doors lock uh central locking off one button you press the button and hold it all the windows close a lot of people like the ease of that yet when that goes wrong oh my word and out of warranty as thomas mentioned earlier boy you can be spending loads of money repairing
1: right now, Sagi, you mentioned uh, GWM Steed just now, mm. but have you, had, uh, have you had experience with other Chinese brands? I mean, which well, is there any Chinese brand that you? Yes, I had a uh,
2: The QQ, what is the QQ3? Yes.
1: The Cherry, yeah.
2: The Cherry, I had a, you know, like, I, I've just had the Tigo. The starter on a Tigo was 9,000 Rand, Dennis. The starter motor on a Tigo. Yet to purchase the car wasn't ex- wasn't expensive at all.
1: Right. And and and, and 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 the newer brands like Haval, for instance, because in know sales, I've they're no. doing very well. So, yes. Any experience there.
2: I haven't any. I haven't had any Haval's come in for repairs or anything just yet because I think it's still new, and I still think I think it. You know, a lot of them still carry their warranties. But having driven the Haval. I just thought that the, uh, was it the H2? I think it's the H2. I mean, like at 1.5 liters, it just didn't do it for me, Dennis. I would spend that money on something else. You know, I'm not knocking the brand. I'm not knocking the brand because I think the H, is it the H9? That's like in a, in a league of its own, I believe.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, I've, I've driven some Havals too. And I, and I find that they seem to be at, at first sight a lot better than some of the earlier Chinese product we have but obviously mm-hmm. the the final proof will be in terms of how reliable they are and as you said earlier some vehicles have built in obsolescence and perhaps Savali is just too new a brand to have discovered to make them. any comment David. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, th- Thomas from your side you.
0: from my side um well so I wanted to know I mean we're talking about parts you know so um Let's talk about OEM parts. So Mm -hmm. um, say you you own a Fiat and you want to go get your spare parts from Fiat, but you could also go down the road to like an AutoZone or, or Midas and you could get a brand that they have for your car. The example, right. chosen, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the example you've chosen, you ain't going to get anything at AutoZone 4.
2: Sorry, Thomas. The example you've chosen, you ain't going to get anything at AutoZone. Maybe brake pads or something like that if you're lucky. You know, okay. or an oil filter. Okay, so that's a, bad example. So,
0: that's a so, terrible so. example. Okay, so let's change it to, say, Opal.
2: Change let's it to VW. Nice. VW is plenty aftermarket parts available. Okay.
0: So, I mean, what are the pros and cons of that? I mean, are you going to find that that the genuine parts are much better? Or would you say in your experience that, uh, you know, aftermarket parts uh, bought from, uh, you know, a good spares parts shop are going to be as good? Um, Do you have faith in them? I mean, if guys are looking to save some money.
2: Okay, let me give you a quick example here, and we're not going to say which uh, dealership this was, but there were guys from a dealership buying brakes and discs from Goldwagon. You do know Goldwagon is the aftermarket VW supplier. Now, if you're buying from a VW dealership from an aftermarket place to put onto your client's car in a dealership workshop, Need I say more? Mm. Yeah. And, and that, this is yes. happening, Thomas, because the aftermarket places are very selling very capable parts, all manufactured in Germany. Good, good stuff that even the OEMs can't compete with price wise. Mm. A lot you of, know, the, and, and 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 I know this for a fact. The OEMs are buying from Goldwagen on occasion
0: exactly well look
2: I mean
0: I've I've noticed yeah
2: if you talk, sorry Thomas I just want to mention you said quality there's nothing you I mean you you pay for what you get agreed but you're not paying cheap it's affordable let's take a radiator for instance it's anywhere in the region of about two and a half three grand from the dealer the same radiator is about nine hundred grand from an aftermarket place and it's a good radiator carrying the same 12-month guarantee and that's a saving you know that's a saving people want to save people need that saving under the in these times in these trying times thomas people must have that saving
0: most. And, I mean, you talk about trying times and saving cash, I mean, um, are there some preventative maintenance things that people can do on their cars just to, uh, you know, kind of uh, between services to, uh, to squeeze more life out of, out of their vehicle. You'd never
2: skip a service, Thomas. Mm. That is criminal.
0: Yeah. That is
2: criminal. So, if, if your vehicle says every 15,000 kilometers... And it's running perfectly yes I know it's running perfectly you do not the basic oil change must get done and if you're not doing it on mileage you must do it on the time
0: Hmm.
2: every six months uh, I think is about right or six to eight months is the number they give that you do a minimum oil and filter change on your vehicle preventative maintenance there's nothing like it nothing like it to save you from uh, heartache later on hey and uh, damage exactly. your
0: I tend to change my oil uh, between services as well you know just for kind of peace of mind you know it maybe costs you I mean if you do it yourself it isn't a lot um, and it's just you know sort of uh, cheap insurance
2: yes and, in and it's and it, although, you know look you're fair with cars and you can't do that but for people who are not every six to eight months just have a look at it just get someone to change your oil and filter it's not expensive and you're doing yourself the biggest favor ever and you know other preventative things to do especially on tires and things is uh, just have a look at your tires once a month at your garage just make sure that your t- your pressures are right uh, there's no nails stuck in them uh, have a look at your water yourself if you know how you know, little things. Check your oil level every morning. It's got a dipstick. Or a lot of cars these days, we're talking about modern stuff for Dennis just now. Uh, just press on your computer. It'll give you your oil level. Right? Five five seconds, 10 seconds. Go through your computer, oil level reading. Perfect. Boom, you got it. You know? So, how, how can, why would you damage your vehicle when you can spend five minutes in the morning making sure all's good before you drive off?
0: Exactly. I totally agree. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of OCD. I do that as well. Like every couple of days, just, you know, pop the hood and see that everything's good. See that there are no leaks. Uh, yes. Make sure, you know, oil is, oil is correct. The coolant is correct, et cetera, et cetera.
2: And you know, in your daily drive, Thomas, you don't know what's happening. You might just, you know, you don't know it. You might pick up a little stone that hits, comes through your radiator. Checking your water in the morning will say, oh, wait a minute, why did I lose so much of water? And, you know, you'd prevent a huge, uh, huge bill, a repair bill later on, if you pick it up soon.
0: Absolutely. Now, look, I mean, we um, we touched on getting people, um, you know, to come with you to look at a secondhand car, mm-hmm. if you're not really mm-hmm. a car person. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens if you don't have any friends who are car people, and you still want you know, some peace of mind? I mean, what you recommend I'm, I'm, i've
2: uh, started an app I'm, I'm about to finish it it's called no more lemons Income. i must give you a link you must try it out and tell me what you think you can just oh. go in there and punch in little details about a car um uh, steering wheel is it damaged uh, uh, uh foot pedals how do they look are they fair to good and i've just got smiley faces you know Lemons with smiley faces, upside down faces, whatever, whatever. And at the end of that survey, there are lots of other little things to look at. Tyres, uh, engine noise. Do you think it's making the right engine noise? You don't have to be au fair to know that the engine is clunking and clacketing. Mm. You know, it doesn't sound right. And then if you come up with like, say, five out of 10 lemons that, hey, wait a minute, that's only 50%. Should I really spend this money? And then on there, I'm going to have a number you can call after you've used the app to just give some a hey, listen buddy would you go with me to look at this and what the cost is so you can buy a car going through using this app called no more lemons and who knows maybe you score a good deal
0: very cool so i mean um, when are you going to bring this out is it is it in it's, the- it's out in the it's, there's a
2: trial we've got a trial one going currently i'll just get okay. my uh, yeah. uh, the uh, well uh, you know how much i know about computers so I'm gonna get the lady that's doing it for me or helping me out. And yeah. uh, I'll get her to send you a link and you can try it out in the interim.
0: Okay, perfect, yeah. I'd like to give it a, give it a Yeah, word. give it a I whack and
2: see if it, you know, I'll, I'll put in, a, a try, like assume a car and just put in some stuff and see what numbers you get. If you know, yeah. I'm, I'm saying if, if the app says, look, 70% buy the car, um well then and if you're still unhappy you can give me a call or there'll be a number there in your area who you can call to come and give you a hand to check it
0: out for a nominal fee of course yeah of course of course yeah um i to. i want to branch off quickly if we may um to the issue of aftermarket warranties uh i know we chat i know we that that we chatted about this Again, the other day, mm-hmm. on buyer's guide on ignition, um, but I thought it would be quite cool to chat about it here. Um, in my experience, I don't know they seem they seem to promise a lot, and in the end, and deliver a little. Over. Yeah, I had a friend who bought an A3, uh, a secondhand A3. Um, I told him not to do it, but he did it anyway, um, and he got a aftermarket warranty, and uh, things went wrong on the car. And, you know, when it came time to pay out, uh, the percentage payouts were very little. So, it didn't really add much, you know, to his peace of mind or uh, the cost of, of repair. So, what advice can you offer listeners uh, in terms of that?
2: Okay. And Thomas, you, if you do remember our conversation the other day, read what the aftermarket warranty gives you you have to. A no aftermarket warranty I know pays a hundred percent on everything. Though when they sell you the warranty, and I knew at one time they were doing this regularly, sir, everything's covered. In my mind, if somebody tells me everything's covered, I assume everything's covered in full. Yeah. What they mean when everything's covered is if your car's got ninety thousand kilometers on the clock, we're gonna cover it at a ninety thousand kilometer rate. In other words, we're only gonna pay 30% of anything that gets damaged. Or we'll pay 100% for the starter motor and alternator because that's 1,500 rand each. Mm. But we're only going to pay 25% of the engine rebuild, which is uh, 80 grand. That's what I found a lot with these uh, policies, aftermarket policies. And then the client sitting with me fighting saying yeah but it's covered then i've got to explain why um he still owes me uh 80 grand because the bill was a 100 grand you know mm. because his policy only covers 20k
0: exactly so i mean would you say um if you were considering if, one of these to so maybe look at the price of parts in that car's passport Parts basket, Basket, yes. And then then say, right, well, if my radiator goes and it only pays me up 10% of that, I'm going to be in for X amount. Or if my turbo goes, um, Google tells me it costs X amount of money uh, and it covers 25%, therefore I'll have to pay. So, I mean, if you did that, you'd get a fair idea uh, of how much you would be in for uh, to pay out of your own pocket should something go wrong.
2: Even better... With the CPA these days, anyone selling you a policy like that has to explain to you in detail what's covered and how much of it is covered. And if you just paid attention, you'd know okay, wait a minute, it's uh, 8,000 Rand for this policy. If my engine fails, they're going to pay 20 grand towards the repair. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. You know, if my turbo fails, it's a 30,000 grand repair, they're going to pay 15. It's worth the trouble. And uh, But somebody has to sit with you and explain that policy to you. And look, you bought the C policy, or you bought the A policy, or the B policy. Or these days, I think it's gold, platinum, and silver policies. So if it's not explained to you in depth, sometimes even I have a problem uh, because i'll go through the policy then i'm going to call the people that's written it up to say excuse me your policy your customer your client has a policy it says engine covered up to 20 grand why are you only paying eight grand then they give you a whole breakdown as to why they're only paying eight yet it's, on his policy document it says covered till 20.
0: yeah you know it's, it's um it's a minefield it if you don't know yeah it is you know, it what is, for out for.
2: It you is. Know. and you just got to be aware of what you want you know sometimes if you oh what's the disciplined enough you can put that money away and never use it just put it away and wait for a well if your car does give you a hard time you've got it put away you know if you want to do it like that it's called like self-insuring kind of thing
0: yeah but, exactly
2: but if it fails the next day you're gonna say damn I don't have enough to do this you know uh so and anyway if you buy a second-hand car these days if you buy it from a reputable place you've got six months unlimited mileage unlimited warranty on the vehicle Oh,
0: well, that's good to know listen um talking about discipline we've got to wrap things up because um we, because we can time. go on all day we can go on all day and probably into the night you know i've got some beers here um, I'm sure you've don't got start, some. Don't start, Thomas. Remember, please don't remember, start. Remember virtual. <laughs> Are you going to send me a virtual
2: beer? <laughs> of course. Uh, Thank you so much, man. That's so kind. Of
0: course. Of course. It's coming through now. Um, so, you, uh, so, yeah, if people want to get hold of you or get in touch with your workshop, where can they go? Um, they, uh, they can
2: just phone. Uh, they can call on my landline, 11 38 uh, and uh, anyone who answers will be able to help them
0: great well thanks a lot uh, and thanks for finding the time and your schedule to, to join us here on the show
2: my pleasure thanks for having me thomas
0: thanks from my side too segi cheers man
2: thanks guys thank you
0: that was uh segi murdi raconteer and mechanic extraordinaire and uh, folks that's all time that's all the time we have um, i'm getting tongue-tied you see so it definitely is time to end the show and uh, Yeah, join us again next week for another episode of Cogumentative.